Childbirth is an amazing experience and so many things can happen. We're going to talk about one of those things that can happen that you've probably heard about in childbirth in today's episode. Stay tuned. the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. I'm Dr. Stephanie Hack, the Lady Parts Doctor, and thank you for joining me today. You know, I love it when we chat and we always have good stuff to talk about. So last week, we spoke with Dr. Taya Qualls of Quality Touch Physical Therapy. And our focus was really to talk about all of the different ways that physical therapy can be beneficial to us. Because I think for a lot of us, we didn't really know. And because there are so many benefits, it's just good to have an idea. So if you need assistance, you can get assistance, right? Well, one thing that came out of that conversation is we talked about physical therapy for postpartum, for GYN, gynecological reasons, and beyond. And what really resonated with you was physical therapy during pregnancy. And I get it, right? Like, I think that everything that I talk about is important. So obviously, this is going to resonate with you. Well, as a supplement to that podcast, I uploaded a video to the website of Dr. Qualls demonstrating how to perform perennial massage to decrease and hopefully prevent altogether perennial lacerations, so tears of the perineum or tears of the vagina is generally how people think of it during delivery. I took a small clip of the video and I uploaded it to social media, specifically TikTok, and it blew up. And I was really surprised because I think that everything that I talk about is important. Everything that I take time to make a clip about is important, but this really resonated with you. So of course that gave me inspiration for this week's topic. We are going to talk about perennial lacerations and how to prevent them. And this is something near and dear to me as someone who had a pretty severe laceration uh, with my last pregnancy and just having more information, talking about it, knowing how to manage it, what to do. All of those things I think are very helpful. And I have a baseline understanding of perennial lacerations, but you might not. So we're going to talk about it, give you more information and give you something to work with if this should happen to you. So you have the dialogue and you have the vocabulary to be able to ask questions, get your questions answered and get the care that you seek and deserve. What is the perineum? It is the space between the vagina and the anus in women and the scrotum and the anus in men. And on average for women, it's about 3.7 to 3.9 centimeters in length. So what I encourage you to do, if you aren't already familiar, is to familiarize yourself with your own perineum. And if you remember from my very first podcast, our very first conversation many months ago, we need a mirror. So I suggest you grab a mirror, head to a private, safe place, and take a look at your own perineum. The perineal body is part of the perineum, and it consists of this dense tissue and several different muscles that come together to provide support. 
The perineal body is the area most commonly injured during vaginal deliveries. So when the tears happen, they most commonly tear into the perineal body. Well, what is a perineal laceration? During vaginal delivery, a significant amount of pressure is placed on the vagina and the vulva, especially the perineum. You think about baby's head, coming out of the vagina, there's a lot of pressure there. If any part of the perineum is torn, that's considered a perineal laceration. Well, how common are they? If you've ever been pregnant, you might remember being concerned about tears during vaginal delivery. Maybe you've even had a tear yourself. And so just us talking about it makes you think back to that experience and you're like, I'll never do that again. Or maybe you got past it, you went on and had more children, whatever the case may be. Or maybe you've never been pregnant, but you think you might want to be one day. This is still relevant information for you, as tears are very common. It's estimated that 53 to 79% of women will sustain some type of laceration at vaginal delivery, although these numbers are not specific to the U.S. population. They're actually taken from two British studies. What structures are near the perineum? So... It's not just the perineum there, right? We have a whole anatomy. The anal sphincter is below or behind, depending on how you're looking at it, the perineum, and contains both an external and internal component. The external anal sphincter is under voluntary control, meaning you can activate the muscle intentionally. Like you could sit here right now and squeeze your external anal sphincter. It provides squeeze pressure to the anal canal, allowing you to do things like stop pooping on command, for example. The internal anal sphincter is under involuntary control, meaning you can't control it. It's just something that is under control of the nervous system in your body. And it's responsible for keeping most of the resting pressure of the anal canal. And it's able to do things like keep poop in your rectum without you having to think about it or keep air in your rectum so to keep you from leaking air or farting all the time, right? Or to keep you from leaking feces. What are the different types of perennial lacerations? Perennial lacerations are described based on degree. Is it minor? Is it more severe? Like what I had. A minor laceration is usually self-limited. It may cause just a couple of weeks of discomfort as the tissue heals. A more severe laceration may have long-lasting effects even after the wound itself is healed. The least severe of the lacerations that you can get during a vaginal delivery is a first degree laceration. That's injury to the skin of the perineum or just the vaginal mucosa. The second degree laceration is injury to the perineum extending into the perineal muscle. So extending into the perineal body. And these two are the most common types of perineal lacerations. The third degree laceration That is a tear that extends beyond the perineal muscles to the anal sphincter. And it's estimated to occur in approximately 3.3% of vaginal deliveries. The tear can involve just the external anal sphincter, or it can extend into the internal anal sphincter as well. And we have different categories based on how far that third degree is going. The fourth degree laceration is injury extending beyond the internal and external anal sphincter into the actual anal mucosa, and it's estimated to occur in approximately 1% of deliveries. And that, my friends, is the most severe tear. How are perennial lacerations repaired? Most 
are repaired surgically via suturing techniques that we do right at the bedside, depending on how severe the tear is. If the tear is more severe, we might take you back to the operating room on labor and delivery where people get C-sections, for example. People commonly think of getting stitches. That's basically when we're repairing, that we're doing the perennial laceration repair. A common question is, how many stitches did I get? Or how many stitches do I need? Fun fact, unless it's a very small tear, we don't count. The stitching is usually done as just a continuous process rather than placing individual sutures or stitches. Some first and second degree lacerations may not even need a repair. First degree lacerations that are not bleeding and do not alter the anatomy of the vagina or perineum may not require repair. Meaning you look, you see a tear, but the tissue is like pretty much still in the same place. So the anatomy isn't altered. We, and it's not bleeding, we don't even need to repair that. But we will take a look at it when we examine you in the office again later on. Although this will leave a gap at first, it may decrease the likelihood of pain or pain with sex once that laceration actually heals. These lacerations could also potentially be repaired with surgical glue. Second degree lacerations are usually repaired through one continuous suture or stitch, bringing the tissue back together and reinforcing the muscles. And that's because often if you have a second degree tear, the anatomy is altered. The tissue doesn't always come right back together. And often you're bleeding, so we need to repair everything. So you stop bleeding and everything kind of goes back to normal. All third and fourth degree lacerations require repair, involving multiple layers of suture to reinforce the tissue and bring it back together. And that's because we want to just look at each individual component, right? If you know that you tore into your anal mucosa, we want to put your anal mucosa back together. If you tore through your internal anal sphincter, we want to put that back together. If you tore through your external anal sphincter, we want to put that together. And then we are putting together the rest of the perennial body, those muscles that give support and such. So those are all repaired through multiple layers of stitches to just bring the tissue back together and hopefully get you back to normal. What are the complications of a third or fourth degree perennial laceration? Women and pregnant people who experience injury to the anal sphincter are at an increased risk of anal incontinence, especially if they experience a fourth degree tear. This results in less bowel control. So you remember we touched on this a little earlier. Having less bowel control means a higher chance of having fecal or air incontinence. That's the involuntary leaking of feces or the involuntary leaking of air. There is also an association with pelvic floor prolapse in which the muscles that support the pelvic floor aren't able to do so, at least to the same extent and the pelvic organs prolapse into the vagina. However, it's unclear how much of this is related to the tear versus vaginal delivery and pregnancy itself. Lacerations can also be complicated by bleeding, infection, and after you've repaired the wound, especially if you experience bleeding or infection, sometimes that wound can break down, meaning those stitches can fall apart and the tissue can come apart and you may have to get it repaired again. In some situations, although this is rare, a fistula or hole could develop, which requires complex repair. And a fistula would be like a hole between, for example, the vagina and the rectum, okay? Or, you know, you could also have Well, for this, for what we're specifically talking about, a hole between the vagina and rectum would be the more likely fistula to develop. Well, who's at risk for third and fourth degree perennial lacerations, right? Like we've talked about this and now you're like, well, this hasn't happened to me. 
Is this something I should be concerned about? Am I at high risk for this? It's estimated that the true occurrence, the true occurrence, so not just what we actually have on record, but what actually probably happens, the true occurrence of a third and fourth degree laceration is up to 11%. And studies have shown that even more cases may go unrecognized at the time of delivery. Risk factors include an operative vaginal delivery. That's a vaginal delivery assisted with forceps or a vacuum. So sometimes when you're pushing, we need to put a little more, we need to give some some help to help baby's head come out of the vagina. So that's an operative vaginal delivery. An episiotomy, specifically a midline episiotomy. Increased fetal birth weight, so a big, big baby. First pregnancy, Asian ethnicity, someone who's had a labor induction, meaning you, know, you didn't go into spontaneous labor, you were given medications to help get you into labor. Labor augmentation, meaning you went into labor, but then your dilation just kind of stopped, so you had to get additional medication to keep the labor going. Epidural anesthesia, persistent occiput posterior position. So that's when baby's head is down, and then baby's head comes out facing up instead of facing down. So generally when babies are born, they, they come out with their head facing the um, facing the anus and then the head kind of turns to look to the side. But for a baby whose head comes out looking up, like just looking up at you, that puts you at a higher risk of having a third or fourth degree laceration. Family history. So one study found that the risk was increased of getting a third or fourth degree laceration if the woman's mother or sister had a similar tear during delivery. And then perineum length. Multiple small studies have found an increased risk of tearing if the perineum is equal to or less than 2.5 centimeters in length. And remember, we discussed that the average length is about 3.7 to 3.9 centimeters. So I mentioned episiotomy in there, and you might be like, well, what is that? Well, and what's the difference between a, a, a perineal laceration and an episiotomy? While a tear is spontaneous, an episiotomy is an intentional cutting of the perineum by the person delivering the baby. And it's usually performed to provide more space for the baby to deliver, although there aren't many evidence-based indications or reasons to perform episiotomy. For this reason, it occurs much less often than it did in the past, and routine use of episiotomy is not recommended. So we've talked about all this. Now you're like, how can I prevent this from happening? This does not sound good. <laughs> this does not sound like an experience that I wanna have. So how can I prevent a perennial laceration? Fortunately, there are techniques that you can perform to help decrease the likelihood of severe perennial lacerations and potentially any lacerations at all. And mind you, some people aren't going to tear and then some people just are going to tear and that's how it is. But one of the first things that you can do to try to prevent a perennial laceration is perennial massage. This can be performed starting at 34 weeks of pregnancy or during the second stage of labor. So that's when you're pushing, once the cervix is fully dilated and you're pushing to get baby's head out to help decrease third or fourth degree lacerations. Number two, manual perennial support. And this is going to be performed by the person, the OBGYN or midwife or whoever's delivering the baby, your obstetric care provider. Although evidence on the best technique for success is lacking. Warm compresses. A study of over 1,500 women found that warm compresses placed on the perineum during pushing significantly decreased the likelihood of third or fourth degree tears. 
birthing position. So delayed pushing while in a lateral position was shown to help women with uh, women deliver without tears in a small trial. And then finally delayed pushing. So that's waiting to push once the cervix is completely dilated, but waiting a little longer beyond, like not just saying, hey, I'm 10 centimeters, now stop, start pushing, waiting a little bit of time, maybe one to two hours after that. But this has also been shown to have potential harm um, with first time mothers performing delayed pushing, experiencing higher rates of infection and postpartum bleeding. So all of these things are things that you can discuss with your healthcare provider to figure out what is right for you. Are there any other places that you can tear during delivery? Why, yes. Yes, there are, unfortunately. The entire vulva provides an opportunity for injury, and the vagina as well. Tears can occur around the clitoris, the urethra, and the labia. Tears can also occur deep in the vagina and in the cervix. If you have a perennial laceration, how do you care for it? In the hospital, after a tear is repaired, our primary goal is to make sure that your pain is controlled. However, we also monitor for urinary retention, meaning you're unable to pee, and we try to prevent constipation. We try to keep you from um, not being able to poop, because if you're constipated, you're going to go to the bathroom and you're really going to push. And we don't want you to put a lot of pressure on your vulva, especially on your anus, if you have a third or fourth degree tear when you've already injured it and you have stitches or sutures in place. NSAID, so medications like, or their NSAID stands for non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents, ibuprofen, Motrin, Aleve, these NSAIDs and narcotics are given for pain, although narcotics are used sparingly because they can worsen constipation and we don't want you to be constipated. In general, rectal suppositories are avoided, but medications for constipation are recommended to make your bowel movements regular and decrease the need to push. Also, ice packs are helpful. And I remember when I was recovering, they had tux pads, these witch hazel pads. I had ice packs and I had um, a lidocaine spray <laughs> that I used. It was a whole regimen to try to just get everything mended and get myself feeling better. So once you go home, in addition to continuing your hospital wound care routine, regular follow-up is needed to evaluate the healing of the wound. Sometimes, and this is especially true if you've had a third or fourth degree, not as much if you've had a first or second degree because you usually heal okay. But certainly if you're having a lot of bleeding, if you're having a lot of pain beyond what we would expect, um, and usually with the bleeding, Bleeding within the first eight weeks after delivery is considered normal, but you're bleeding beyond that, for example. Sometimes you can develop granulation tissue, and that's part of the healing process, but it can develop outside of the wound and cause additional pain and bleeding. So it's good to have your regular follow-up so your healthcare provider can take a look and examine the wound and see how you're healing. And remember, we mentioned before, wounds can also break down and require additional repair. Once the wound heals, scar tissue can form, causing pain and discomfort also. So follow up with the pelvic floor physical therapist at this time can help with these symptoms. And that's something that Dr. Qualls and I also talked about for our postpartum patients following up for assistance with just managing the scar tissue of the wound and once again, getting them back to their pre-laceration function. Can you deliver vaginally if you've had a perennial laceration in a previous delivery? If you've had a severe tear before, you are more likely to tear than someone who has never had a tear. 
However, you are unlikely to have another third or fourth degree laceration. With that said, in some situations, a cesarean section may be recommended, especially depending on how you healed or you know, physically and mentally. You should discuss this with your OBGYN or your other obstetrical healthcare provider. So I think that's it. You know, we've covered a lot of information. I hope that you feel more knowledgeable, more informed, more empowered about perennial lacerations. I hope that if you were nervous, that you feel less nervous because again, third and fourth degree lacerations are not the most common type. Not everybody tears. And if they do, it's usually a first or second degree laceration. But now that we've talked about those techniques, don't forget to go to the website and look under the website, www.ladypartsdoctor, spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R. <laughs> I had to pause for a second think about that. But ladypartsdoctor.com, spelled out. And click on the resource tab for the full demonstration of perennial massage techniques by Dr. Taya Qualls of Quality Touch Physical Therapy. I believe the video is about eight minutes, so it doesn't take long. And she demonstrates how to do the massage that you can do, also how your partner can do it, which can be incredibly helpful, especially once you get later in the pregnancy. You might not be able to reach or it might be a little more difficult or uncomfortable, okay? Also, before you go, make sure to subscribe to the blog, the Lady Parts Doctor blog, the podcast, which is available wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon, TuneIn. And if you listen on Apple, please leave a review. I want to know what you think. Hopefully you give it a five and you love it. (laughs) And if you don't, send me an email and talk about how we can make it better. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, everything. Let me know if you have any questions or stories that you want to share by emailing me at drhack, D-R-H-A-C-K at ladypartsdoctor.com. And if you're interested in booking me for presentations, conferences, or other events, you can also contact me through the website. All right, until next time. Mm-hmm.